Our scripture lesson this morning on the first Sunday of Lent is the traditional story of the temptation in the wilderness, uh, this time from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. I invite you to find that and read along if you'd like to. But before we do that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will. For all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to, be, to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I think most of you know by now, or I've shared with you at different times, that I have been a lifelong fan of the Andy Griffith Show. I started watching it when I was a child, even though it was in reruns by that point. It was my favorite episode, and at times, in fact, I entered contests where I won trivia contests about the Andy Griffith Show. I'm a card-carrying member, in fact, of an Andy Griffith Show rerun watchers club. I started it at Columbia Seminary. And one of my favorite episodes, one of the universally favorite episodes, is, is an episode where Opie received a slingshot as a gift. He was told, of course, this was a very nice gift for a boy his age, and he was told by his father, now you've got to be careful with this slingshot. You can only aim it at things that are not living, aiming it at trees, aiming at tin cans, things like that, but, but don't hurt anything that's alive. And of course, Opie said he would. He left the courthouse armed with his slingshot, going around shooting at trees and things like that. But in a moment of weakness, he aimed it up in a tree and shot it at a bird on a limb, and he hit the bird and killed it. Well, as you might imagine, Opie was, was sad, upset, devastated at this mistake that he had made, and he ran into the house only to discover a few hours later even more devastation. His father came in and pointed out that that bird that he had killed was a mother bird of three baby birds, and he was devastated that now these birds no longer had a mother. But Opie decided the next morning that he would make up for it. He started making breakfast 
made out of uh, worms and bugs and things, as he says. And he decided to take care of these three baby birds. They got them down out of the nest and put them in a little bird cage on the porch. And, and Opie took care of them and fed them for several days until finally they started to eat and they started to thrive and they started to grow. Pretty soon it got to a point where they were outgrowing the cage. And Andy pointed that out to Opie and said, at some point, son, we're going to have to let these birds go. And Opie said, but, but if they don't fly away, they might want to stay right here with me. They, they might be happy right here in this cage. But Opie realized as he looked at that little cage that birds weren't made to live in a cage. Birds were made to fly. And so one by one, he pulled each bird out of the cage and let it go. And it flew up into the trees right there in his front yard. And at the climax of the episode, the end of the episode, Opie looks down at that cage and says, the cage seems awful empty, Pa. And Andy motions up to the trees and says, yes, but don't the trees seem nice and full? Empty or full? That's what Lent is all about. Most years we focus on the emptiness that comes with Lent, reminding ourselves to be humble, that our lives would be empty without God. We focus on all the ways that we are broken, limited human beings, and we need God. We do things like giving up maybe some sweets or giving up our favorite food. That makes our tummies grumble and it reminds us of our empty stomachs, reminds us that we are limited people and need God. Sometimes we give up something that, that makes us happy, a, an activity that makes, gives us joy and re, remember how empty our lives might be without those things that, that give us meaning and give us purpose. But this year we're going to start digging the tunnel from the other end. We're going to focus on the fullness of God. Because it makes a big difference whether you focus on the emptiness of the cage or the fullness of the trees. It makes a big difference of whether you focus on the emptiness of this world or you focus on the fullness of God. For when we focus on the fullness of God, it gives our lives meaning, it gives our lives purpose, and even in the midst of the emptiness of the world, the fullness of God always, always, always gives us hope. We see that right here in this passage this morning. It's a passage that we read every year during the season of Lent. This passage of Jesus out in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. Jesus has just been baptized and he, he goes out to the wilderness, to this desert place where there's nothing all around him. And, and somehow the devil shows up. We don't know if it's a physical form or we don't know if it's just a voice in his head. But the devil tries very hard to point out the emptiness all around Jesus. He's in a very empty place. The first thing the devil tries to do is point out the emptiness in Jesus' stomach. He says, you, you, you're famished. You've got to be hungry. Well, if you would just turn these stones into bread, you can eat and be filled and prove that you're the Son of God. But Jesus just responds by calmly quoting Scripture. Then the devil once again points out more emptiness, the emptiness in his pockets, that Jesus is not a rich man. And so he says, if you will just bow down to me for one minute, you can have the entire world at your fingertips. If you will just bow down to me for one second, you can be the ruler of every single kingdom on this earth. You can have everything that you've never had before. But Jesus once again calmly, confidently quotes Scripture. 
And then finally, he takes Jesus up to the high place, points out a different kind of emptiness. He says, you think you're all alone out here in this desert. But if you'll just jump off of this high temple, you'll prove that you're not alone at all because angels will swoop down out of nowhere and grab you and, and not let your feet hit, hit the ground. Proving once again that you're not out here by yourself, but that God is with you, that you're the Son of God, and the angels are here to protect you. But once again, Jesus calmly quotes Scripture, you shall not tempt or test the Lord your God. All this emptiness that the devil points out. But Jesus is focused on something else. Focused on the fullness of God. While we are all focused on the emptiness, Jesus Christ's faith is in God's fullness. And it makes a difference. Now I have to tell you, when I have been focused on the emptiness in my life, the words of the tempter seem fairly logical to me. There are times in my life when the world doesn't make sense, when the emptiness, when the scarcity, when the harshness of this world gets to me. And there are times where I want to put God to the test myself. These questions that the devil asked Jesus are questions that I think are, are pretty rational, pretty reasonable, in fact. When I look at people who are hungry in the world, it makes sense that if God would just turn a few of those stones into bread, we could feed a lot of those people. When I have had trouble paying my own bills, I haven't asked for stones to be turned into bread, but I sure have asked for money to grow on trees. I've asked for God time and again to help me in moments when I have looked at the unjustness and unfairness of the world and I have felt trapped like in a little cage. I can't do anything about it because I'm focusing on the scarcity, the emptiness of the world. And time and again, I come across somebody who is focusing on the fullness of God, and that is when I am convicted. Convicted that my eyes are on the wrong thing. I've told you this story before. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite people from my previous church, her name was Kathy, and her husband was Howard. They were dear friends of mine, and they were older adults, but just people that I relied on a lot, very important to me. And Pretty soon after I'd been there a couple of years, Howard got very sick, and it was pretty clear that Howard was going to die. Kathy was very faithful to him, would stay by his bedside in the hospital every single day, every single night. And then one night in the middle of the night, in fact, Kathy called me and asked me if I would come to the hospital. She had an important question to ask me. Well, as a pastor, I knew what this question was going to be. I had no doubt she was going to ask me why. Why was her husband having to go through all this? As faithful as she was, as faithful as he was, why was some, this kind of suffering coming upon her and her family? I knew that was the question, and the problem was most of us pastors don't have the answer to that. There's so much suffering, there's so much emptiness in the world. I wish we could find a way to wave a magic wand and take it away, but I knew I couldn't. When I got to the hospital, I was waiting for it, but to my surprise, she asked me a different question. She said, Brad, in times like this, what do people who have no faith do? In times like this, how do people who have no faith deal with these kind of emptiness and this, these kind of problems? 
I was overwhelmed by her. She was not coming to me asking me why this was happening. She was not coming to me pointing out the emptiness and the sadness that she felt. She came to me and pointed to God. That even now, she could lean on God. Even now, her faith was in the fullness of God's promises. In our passage this morning, Jesus has that faith exponentially. He looks at the pain and the suffering of the world around him. He looks at the the emptiness of the desert, but he continues to point to the fullness of God with faith. And that's what we're called to do as well. And it changes things if we'll put our focus on the faithfulness of God, if we'll put our faith in the fullness of God. It changes us not only in those moments when we're tempted to test God ourselves, but it changes things for us when the world puts us to the test. And it happens every day. It's been happening for the past couple of years and even longer, let's be honest. When the world puts us to the test and it happens constantly, we have a choice of whether we're going to focus on that emptiness of ourselves or if we're going to put our faith in the fullness of God. The great theologian Reinhold Niebuhr in his book, The Nature and Destiny of Man, talks about that type of testing, that type of temptation that every single human being experiences. He describes temptation in in two different ways. He says, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but in the response to the emptiness of the world, in response to the meaningless sometimes we feel in the world, we're tempted to do one of two things. One, We're tempted to be less than we are, to lower ourselves to be less than human, to focus on the superficial things that don't matter, the things that are fleeting and and will fade away fast, things to try to give our lives meaning that really can't give us meaning at all. Not truly in some ways to lower ourselves to the level of animals. Or on the flip side, we try to do the very opposite of that. We try to to raise ourselves up to be the center of the world, to be more powerful than the people around us, to be more important than those others around us so that we are the center of our own lives and maybe even think of ourselves as equal to God. We either try to lower ourselves or we either try to raise ourselves rather than being the people that God calls us and created us to be. You can see Jesus dealing with both of those things in our passage this morning, and you can see human beings dealing with that all throughout Scripture. Just think of the very, maybe the most famous passage of temptation in the Bible. The passage of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. You remember that story, that that precious story that teaches us so much about testing. Adam and Eve are in this luscious garden, this incredible place where they are surrounded by everything they could possibly need. Big, beautiful trees, food, water, shelter, anything they could possibly need. But then comes the tempter. And the tempter points to the one thing they don't have. And they feel empty. Life's not quite full unless we can have that one thing we don't have. And so they see and focus on the emptiness, the scarcity of what they don't have rather than the fullness of what they do have. Contrast that to Jesus in the desert. Jesus is in a desert where He has absolutely nothing. There's no food. There's no water. He's all alone. When the tempter comes and says, focus on the emptiness, Jesus points to the fullness. His faith is in the fullness even when 
the world seems empty. We've seen that. From time to time, I think we've seen that in each other. When people in this church have been generous to help other people in need, when we've put ourselves on the line to help those around us, when we have put our faithfulness in that fullness, we have not been trapped by the emptiness, but we have been inspired to live trusting that God's faithfulness will endure. I saw that this past week watching the news watching all that's going on in Eastern Europe, all that's going on in Ukraine. There was a story, maybe you saw it just this past week, of a Russian soldiers who had come and invaded in Ukraine, and a few of them had been captured by the Ukrainian army. And right there in the middle of a neighborhood, this Ukrainian army had captured these Russian soldiers, and, and the civilians came out of their home. And this was an opportunity to, to seek revenge, to, to, to hurt these Russian soldiers who had come into their neighborhood. But instead, they did the exact opposite. There's a video that's been floating around the internet of a Russian soldier who's being fed food and given a cup of tea. And after all that happens, one of these civilians holds up their cell phone and lets them call lets him call his mother to let him them know that he's okay even in Ukraine instead of sending back some video of all how terrible her son is they send back a video and say he's okay instead of focusing on the desert of war they point to the fullness of mercy We've seen that in other ways too. Standing on platforms in Germany, standing on train platforms in, in, in Poland. People come in from, from the Ukraine. They're refugees coming from all over. And they get off the platform and meet these total strangers who open up their arms and open up their doors and say, I don't know you, but if you need a place to stay, you can stay in my house. Opening their arms to strangers in need. And we see it in ourselves. When we put ourselves to the side, when we don't lower ourselves, we don't raise ourselves, but we put ourselves to the side and put God first and love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what God calls us to be. That's who God calls us and created us to be. Today, in just a few moments, we're going to ordain and install our new elders and deacons. One of the things that they are called to be for this congregation are the spiritual leaders of the congregation. I've told them that several times in their training. For me, what that means is that in times of need, in times of despair, in times when we could be focusing on the emptiness of the world, we are called constantly to focus and put our faith in the fullness of God. That means in moments when we have to make tough decisions about what this church is going to do and who this church is going to be, we can choose to be put in the cage of emptiness or we can focus on the faithfulness and fullness of God. And my hope and prayer for our elders and our deacons is that they will lead us by always putting that faith in the fullness, always thinking of who God is calling us to be and not counting the cost. Always thinking of who God wants us to be, to love and serve our neighbor, and not just counting the cost of what it will do to us. Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus, time and again, focused on the fullness and the faithfulness of God. And it led him step by step by step. It didn't cause him to... to could protect himself and hold himself up in a cage, it caused him to reach out again and again 
to share the fullness of God's mercy and God's love with the world. The temptation that began Jesus' ministry was matched by another temptation at the end of his ministry. He's hanging there on a cross and and the, the criminal right next to him says, hey, if you're the Son of God, pull us all down and save us. Jesus could have done that. And we know in that moment by the words that Jesus said, Jesus felt the emptiness there. But for some reason, Jesus continued to hang there. He stayed faithful even unto death. Faithful to the fullness that God had promised. And a few days later, that promise was fulfilled. That tomb was empty. But the world was full. The world was full of God's grace and God's mercy and God's truth. All because Jesus kept his faith in the fullness. I hope that will be the case for us as well. To the glory of God. Amen.